And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io or check out the show notes to learn more. All right, friends. So we have with us today uh, someone that I, I, I always get really, really excited to speak to women in the venture capital space. Um, I, it's not something that we see often enough. And our guest today, Caroline Winnett, is executive director of Berkeley Skydeck, um, just a storied leader within the startup space, named in Forbes as a top five U.S. university accelerator, Skydeck. They, they offer hands-on mentorship and they have a lot of resources. They're associated with academia. And I just think it's so neat to hear about this, this initiative. And so, Caroline, I'm so glad to have you here on the show. Thank you for being with us. It's my pleasure to be here, Lauren. Yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and kick right into it. So I'm going to ask you, you know, tell us about your journey. Tell us about Berkeley Skydeck. Um, just fill us in. Who is Caroline Winnett? That's actually what I want to know. Who's Caroline Winnett? <laughs> All right. We'll start. We'll start. Uh, well, let me quickly say what Berkeley Skydeck is because it's uh, it's very cool and very unusual. So yes. we are a startup accelerator and incubator. We're quite a large program hosting between our four programs about 200, over 200 startups per year. And wow. Yeah. Did and I know that? <laughs> I don't know if I knew that. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Well, it's more like 250. Uh, so All right. <laughs> we do a lot, right? And, and we have a dedicated venture fund, which I'll talk about because that's exceptionally cool. Sure. And, and we move very fast and we move our companies very fast and all that. However, and this is what's un unexpected, we are a UC Berkeley program. We're not a separate organization partnering with Berkeley. We're not affiliated with Berkeley. We are UC Berkeley. And that is the key to the magic of Skydeck. Uh, and so, we can talk a lot about that. So let me, let, I'm going to interject here because one of the things that I find most interesting about Berkeley Skydeck is that piece. And I'm going to be very honest with you, Caroline, when I think of academia, when I think of universities, but I don't necessarily think of innovative, cutting edge, leading thought around, around innovation and startups. Is that kind of the typical, uh, I guess, reaction that people have when you talk about this program of UC Berkeley? Yes, all the time. We get that all the time. I'll say what I just said about Skydeck being a Berkeley program and someone will ask, so what's your relationship with Berkeley? Because it's so unexpected, right? Yeah. And 
uh, at Berkeley, we are known for pioneering new ideas, for not for questioning the status quo, uh, yeah. for beating, being at the bleeding edge of thought. And Skydeck is an example of that, where the university has created a startup accelerator with everything that that entails and all the frameworks we have around that. But we have kept that within the university. Yeah. And so we are a completely mission-driven organization. We are, we are here to find innovative startups that will solve the world's biggest problems and tap into what is arguably the world's biggest expert network and that is the network of UC Berkeley alums around the world. Do you know how many of, of, of us there are? I don't. I'm really curious to hear that. I love numbers. Bring it on. <laughs> 512,000 of us wow. around the world. And generally pretty accomplished people, right? Who have, yeah. who have their own networks. So if we added the networks of that network, um, in fact, that would be a fun study to do. It's... It's in the many millions of people. And when we reach out to them and we identify our startup as belonging to a Berkeley program and helping Berkeley, and I'll tell you about the secret sauce we have, the, the alumni network gets excited. How can I help? How can I participate in this, this, this great program that will not only help support startups, which is a really cool and fun thing to do. People really like to do that but also help the university, help this, this wonderful public institution called UC Berkeley. So we're not just getting people excited who are Berkeley alums, but we get lots of people excited yeah. or, who are maybe alums of some other university, but, but recognize that we're trying to do something that's much larger than just finding startups and helping them. It's a much so, so let me, let me tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell, tell on myself just a little bit. Uh, but when I was deciding on colleges and applying to colleges and trying to figure out like that next part in my life, I actually, uh, I did a campus visit at UC Berkeley because I just loved hearing about how innovative it was and how, uh, yeah, you tend to attract people who are at the, the cutting edge and the inter that intersection of innovation and infrastructure, which is so interesting because that, that's what I feel like maybe the academic piece brings, like you have backing and you have programs and you have students who are, who can be dedicated to R and D and you have just a lot of potential for collaboration and shared resources in a university environment, but with that very, again, innovative kind of entrepreneurial mindset related to, to Skydeck. Is that what you're finding? That there's this kind of really unique marriage of innovation versus in infrastructure? Yes, absolutely. And so we talked about uh, the giant talent network that's outside the university, the half a million of us Berkeley alums around yeah. the world. But in addition, we tap into the on-campus talent. 45,000 students. Right. Very yeah, smart. I, no, no, no. I, I was counting them in there, too. Yeah, I mean, I you have a, a, a talent pipeline, a robust one to pull from. And you don't, you don't often see that, you know, in, in places that are outside of environments where that kind of innovative thought is fostered. So let me ask you this. Um, one of the things that I find super, super interesting about this 
I, partnership. Partnership, is that like a good, it, it, well, it's not even really a partnership because it is a program of UC Berkeley. Uh, <laughs> but th this marriage, how are you making it work? Talk to us about how you are connecting the startups that represent Berkeley Skydeck, the part of, of your portfolio companies. How are you uh, kind of imbuing them with that academic focus while at the same time helping them to retain what makes them uniquely startup? So as it turns out, in the Venn diagram between academia and startup world, yeah. uh, there's quite a bit of overlap because people are essentially doing the same thing, which is push the frontiers of knowledge and, and solve problems. So yeah. it's just that the, the, the academics are at the beginning of that process where they're asking the questions that can lead to the, to the innovations. And the startups are at the end of that process where let's take that great knowledge and let's yeah. implement it. Let's bring it to the world. And that, that translation from, from knowledge and research into solving problems in the world through a startup is something that Berkeley has intentionally made happen very, very, very smoothly. So, you know, Silicon Valley it exists because it was surrounded by a university right? It, it's no accident. Silicon Valley didn't pop up somewhere where there, were, there were, weren't any students or faculty. It, it came to be uh, around Stanford and also near Berkeley and University yeah. of California, San Francisco. This was, we were all part of Silicon Valley. But many people don't realize is Silicon Valley grew up where it was strictly because there were students and faculty there inventing cool stuff. Yeah. That, the reason Silicon Valley is where it well, is. Well, and we see this happen time and time again, where we see concentrated geographic innovation hotspots, innovation districts that are centered around large, large universities, significantly Always. funded universities. But in Always. particular, the universities that have, like, they tend to, tend to have that STEM focus, have like, yes. One of the things that we've noticed in doing top startups episodes, Matt and I always kind of marvel at the fact that when we go to, from city to city and we highlight the startups there, there's always kind of a, a vibe or a concentration. So like, for instance, here in the Midwest, we are known for ag tech and we're known as being, we have a significant animal health corridor, right? When you go out to Seattle, which is where, you know, Microsoft is and, uh, you know, all of these large tech giants, you, we see a lot more like AI, very deep tech focus, because those are the, not only are those the thought processes that you engage in from day to day, but you also have that talent pipeline, the people who are familiar with that technology, who are immersed in it. So it's really interesting. You see each startup community have its own vibe. And so now I have to, I have to ask, what is the vibe of Berkeley Skydeck? <laughs> I love that question. It is one heck of a vibe. Let me yeah. tell you. I've done a lot of things in my life, including run several startups. And I've never been in a place that is more vibrant, more excited, more, let me see how I can creatively make something be born and go into the world than Berkeley Skydeck. And, and it's, it's, it's because we are at Berkeley so that's a general Berkeley vibe, right? So, yeah. so we're part of this great Berkeley vibe.
but it's also it, it definitely has a, a revolutionary legacy absolutely in my head like these are right. these are not just people who are learned although they are these are also people who are kind of shit disturbers oh yeah you know, exactly oh, yeah, questioning the status quo interrogating yeah. our own biases like right. driving not just academic change not just innovative change but also cultural change yes really. and, and personal change right yeah. how can i develop into someone who can really do something that is unique and meaningful in the world yeah that that is very much part of berkeley it's not it's not just let's go into the lab and and tinker around but let's go in the lab and tinker around and take that result and make it and bring it to the world and have it really make a change that is for good. This yeah. is perfectly, and that just perfectly is is the startup ethos. Yeah, for sure. Because we're yeah. not just. I I believe that founders and entrepreneurs absolutely problem solvers. That is the foundation of who we are when people are like, who are entrepreneurs? I'm like, problem solvers at our core. But at the same time, so many of us, we're game changers, we're change makers, we're world leaders, you know, it, it, when it comes to that innovative thought. And I think it actually kind of, actually, I'm going to ask you. So one of the reasons that I think that's the case is because I, I think about the entrepreneurial mindset, which is very much a, in addition to being a problem solver, you're also, you have to be creative, resourceful. You have to be so dang persistent that people think you're an idiot, you know? And I mean, and so, so you have all of this, these ethos and all of these ethics and all of these traits kind of coalescing in, in, in these individuals. And so it stands to reason that, in addition to that problem solving piece, like we, we have the lens to make great systemic, deep world change. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and you, you have to push really hard to get over one of the world's most powerful forces, which is inertia. So yes. even though you have a great idea and a great solution, and a great team and a great technology, you hit up against that wall of inertia and you really got to push. So um, I'm glad you brought that topic up because I have with me my favorite mug, which, has, which has the saying that I think embodies one of the most important characteristics. And it's, it's the NASA slogan. Failure is not an option. That is a great mug, by the way. <laughs> it's not. Fail so if you're an entrepreneur and you're not doggedly determined to bring your idea to the world, no matter how, right, you, you might pivot, you might you know, fail your business model, but you're not going to fail changing the world. And those are the entrepreneurs that succeed. You have to have that absolutely bulldog, will not stop at anything mindset to succeed. Yeah. Well, and it, so, so I'm going to recall that, that Thomas Edison gem, you know, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And I, I think that's just a reframing of exactly what you're talking about. The fact is I have not failed. Failure is not an option. Failure is an opportunity. And we just kind of need to change our relationship to it. Right? right. So how does Berkeley Skydeck foster that that comfort with discomfort, that uh, ability to accept failure as a stepping stone. How do you foster that within with the companies that you work with? Yeah. So, so most important, you you set up a program like Skydeck with people who have been through that themselves. So most of us at Skydeck, including myself, have been through the entrepreneurial journey. 
And then very important to gather like-minded people. So the one of the most important things we do is have a space full of entrepreneurs who are all up there pushing against that giant wall of inertia. Um, and they, they support each other. They see each, they see each other fighting those same fights and, and creating those same solutions. Yeah. It's critical for humans to, to feel like I am part of a group of people and we're all trying to do this together. Here's my problem today. Let me go yeah. talk to this founder over there. Might be in a totally different industry, but we have, we have the similar challenges. So they, they feel empowered and they can learn from each other. That's very, very important. Yeah. So, well, and I, I love that because so, so you were talking about the commonality that you're finding. And one of the reasons that I love accelerator programs, incubator programs, like I love the, the support that they offer entrepreneurs for sure. But I know that as an entrepreneur myself, and you know, as a founder that like, sometimes it's a very lonely feeling. And so being able to even just see that other people are experiencing some of the things, things that you experience, like that can be really powerful. However, the real reason that I actually love you know, th this geographic proximity of founders, I love it because, because of the differences. Because when you are talking to people who have no conception of what you're doing, I mean, as a founder, you're in it every day. You're looking very close and you tend to look very granularly at a problem, right? Sometimes having people who are familiar with your journey, but not the minutia of what you do can offer a whole new perspective, that mm -hmm. new lens on what you're doing. And, and so like, I'll give you one of the examples, friends, that I can think of is, you know, a whole bunch of archaeologists found a bone and it had 28 tick marks on it. And all of these archaeologists were looking at this bone and they were trying to figure out what it was used for and they couldn't figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And finally, they invited a woman historian to come and take a look. And this woman was like, well, it's 28 days. They were counting menstrual cycles. <laughs> and what you needed was you needed that woman's perspective to come in and introduce a whole totally, totally new concept based on their own experience and their own, uh, their own lens. Right? right. And I feel like so often that's what incubators, accelerators, like the, I, so often that's what they do. They offer you the opportunity to see what you're doing through somebody else's lens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, one of the most important things we do is we we simply connect our founders to our advisor network. So yeah. we have about 500 volunteers, uh, many of them Berkeley alums, but some of them not. Awesome. We volunteer to support our startups pro bono while they're in the program. And that matching process is at the core of what we do because you're you're a young company, right? And you, you yeah. need someone to get to know your company and give you that perspective and track you during the, the six months they're in our program. And so we spend a lot of time making sure you this founder that needs to know something connects with this expert who knows that or has some kind of experience. And that's one of the most important jobs that an accelerator does. It's very it's very it's a lot of manual labor you must know the startups you must know the founders and you must know your network and it's yeah. not something you can build quickly and it's not something you can build without a sense of purpose right so we have yeah. a very powerful sense of purpose at skydeck uh, because we are berkeley and so that as i mentioned earlier gets everybody excited and so we can tap into these you know we have extraordinary 
advisors who have been themselves very successful entrepreneurs who are who are executives at very large tech companies and they sit down with our companies and and guide them yeah well that's incredible so when you are when you're trying to kind of throw these people together and encourage these bonds and relationships what are what kind of secret sauce are you looking for you said secret sauce and we're going to come to that because i don't know if what i'm asking you is what you were talking about but like what kind of methodology or what what kind of synergies are you looking for when you're looking to connect your Mm -hmm. founders with this outside community who can support them yeah um so let me talk talk to you about how how we do it and what we're looking for so how we do it is a lot of speed dating at the beginning of the program, right? Just a lot of organized sessions where we, we pre-select advisors and startups to meet with each other. They do a brief meeting. There's eight of those for our, our cohort. So yeah. there's a lot of that. But at the end of that process, there's a two-sided matching where the startups say, hey, these are the top five advisors I want to work with. And the advisors say, these are the top five, five startups I want to work with. There's a lot of overlap. We match yeah. um, so it's a very labor-intensive process, and and yields a, a great set of matched three key advisors with our startups. Yeah. What the, what we tell the startups to look for is one of two things: someone who's an expert in your industry and can provide great connections, really good deep expertise. Um, someone who's been through the startup journey who can just generally help you with that process. Um, and someone, and these can be three different people or combinations, someone who's just really excited about you and your company. They're yeah. going to cheerlead you, who's going to tell you what you need to know um, very bluntly when you need to know it. Someone who's really going to support you. Yeah. And so they get a nice, they get a nice mix. Let me tell you about our secret sauce because that is a very important part. Yeah, of I, I, I need to know. You, you, you're burying the lead here. <laughs> I have. Yeah, we, we, we got to get there. Okay, here it is. So as a Berkeley program, uh, the University of California at Berkeley doesn't do venture capital, right? So when I first got to Skydeck, I said, hey, we, we need to fund startups if we're going to accelerate them. Let's start a, a seed fund. And the university cannot do that because of how we're set up as a public university. Okay, fine. So I had to get creative. Problem. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> right, right. Constraints create new, uh, new solutions. That's so right. I, found, uh, I found somebody and I said, hey, Sean, he was one of our advisors and I thought he was the right guy. I said, Sean, I want you to start a venture capital fund, invest in all the startups in our accelerator track, and I want you to donate half of the fund profits back to UC Berkeley. And he said, oh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a little part-time fun, you know, a little, little baby fun, get some Cal alums to give us some money, you know, go bears. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it blew up in the best way. Everybody got excited. Um, the fund quickly, quickly morphed into a serious seed fund Fund one was closed at $23 million, started investing in the program. Fund two, when that was raised, fund one results were looking so good that fund two closed at $60 million. Wow. So instead of Sean and just doing something part-time, he now has a team of six people that all work <laughs> part-time. And we're just getting started. 
right? I love that so much because it, it, it's, it speaks to another journey and the entrepreneurial way where it's like sometimes the, because this is what happened with me at Innovator, sometimes it's not even so much an idea as it is the universe just smacking you in the face and saying right. like, hey, this is the thing you're supposed to pay attention to. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's coming at you. Yeah. No, I love it. It's kind of like a freight train, but like in the best way possible. Right. That's uh, right. No, I, I, I love that so much. Well, and you're absolutely right. So so the other day I was on social media and uh, one of my favorite founders, she's a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Carlanda McKinney. And she's writing. Uh, she is a woman of color and she often shares about her journey in finding venture capital funding. And I think we all know that it's really, really hard for women of color to find funding as a startup founder. So she's posting on, on LinkedIn, I want to say, and she said something along the lines of, you have to stop giving us access to capital. You actually have to start giving us capital. At some point, people just have to give us money. And I'm like, you know, that's true. And I love the fact that you were so cognizant of that. Like, hey, if we're going to give all of these startups, tools that they need to succeed, the resources that they need to thrive. One of the things that we also have to do is give them the number one barrier and the number one challenge in being a startup founder, which is finding money to fund it. Right. <laughs> right? right. Like it was right. that kind of the thought process that you were running through. <laughs> exactly. And, and the university, you know, to their, our credit, you know, yeah. there was, there was no, model for this right so for sure we had, we had to have a lot of discussions with lawyers to, and they had to think of a lot of creative solutions to to set this up so that it fit with our public university not-for-profit um, regulations and status which yeah. which they did and and we're we're off and running and so you know now when you know i mentioned we call these berkeley alums and we say hey you know can you talk to a startup and here's here's what we say if we have a startup and, and by the way, the founder didn't necessarily go to Berkeley. We draw founders from all over the world, right? Yeah. So founders from any country imaginable. And we say, hey, here's a startup. Will you talk to them? Uh, by the way, if they succeed, Berkeley benefits financially. Yeah. People love that. Yeah. People, they love that. How can I can help Berkeley just with my time? Well, and you're kind of turning the the typical academia, one of the academia funding models on its ear, because you, we talk so much about donors from well, universities, but in reality, you have removed the middleman, <laughs> sort of. Right. It's an entirely new model for funding education, yeah. and it's taking off. So on Berkeley campus alone, several other what we call carry share funds. So, you know, the fund profits are called carry. And so there, a number of other funds have popped up. And I think we now have about 250 million under management um, around the different funds. Skydeck fund is about 85 million and the other funds, uh, you know, add up to about 250 million, all sharing carry. And imagine what will happen when we get to a billion in assets under manage management, sharing carry. And so this is what, what we like to say, this is our moonshot, right? So yeah. we, our slogan is, you know, where visionaries take flight, bring us your moonshots. Moonshot thinking. Moonshot. Just so, for, those, for our global listeners really quickly, moonshot thinking is the kind of big ideas and like the really scary, intimidating, like the crazy things. 
things. Right. The crazy ideas that nobody thinks that you can pull off, but when you pull them off, they are so wildly satisfying and so change-making and there's so much potential. So that's what moonshot thinking is. Really quickly, I want to introduce you all to, to some other moonshot thinkers, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about full scale. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Check out the show notes or visit fullscale.io to learn more. Now, friends, we are here today with Caroline Winnett, the executive director of Berkeley Skydeck. And we were talking about how, how Berkeley has kind of changed a piece of their funding model on its ear and at the same time found a way to meaningfully support startup founders and support that innovation ecosystem, which is really, really different for, for universities. And, and, and I love to see it. And I, I mean, honestly, I'm just like, I, I really want to reach out to some of our big anchor institutions and be like, hey, see what they're doing? Can we try it? Maybe. <laughs> but, you know, you, you're leading this, this groundbreaking thing. So, so talk to us about how you changed. Did you have to change hearts and minds or did Berkeley buy in automatically right from the very beginning? Mm -hmm. So we were delighted to see that there was a great deal of enthusiasm and posit positivity towards Skydeck and what we're trying to do. And the attitude was, we got to figure out this, this agreement with the Skydeck Fund. We've never done that before. Uh, Skydeck is doing different things. You're taking founders who didn't go to Berkeley. You know, a lot, a lot of things we have to figure out. And, and they did. And I give a lot of credit to our administration, um, our legal team, who worked very hard to figure out a way for Skydeck to exist within our university guidelines. Yeah. Um, do what we want to do. And then after Skydeck, I would say we were we were at the start of this big blue wave, right? Okay. And I, <laughs> yes, the, the blue wave, blue and gold wave, I would say, for Berkeley Colors. And nice. we really helped kick off a giant transformation at Berkeley, which is underway, in which, as we talked about earlier, the, the university has, has transitioned from, we create discoveries, someone comes and takes them and brings them into the world, right? That's yeah. traditional academia. We're just in the lab coming up with these great, great discoveries. Two, we're taking those great discoveries and we're going to bring them to the world, right? So the number of, of entrepreneur programs has exploded at Berkeley. Skydeck has, has, has grown massively in the eight years I've been there. Uh, investors are coming to set up all these carry share funds, as I mentioned. So yeah. the university is now saying, we are intentionally helping to translate those brilliant discoveries from our labs and the minds of our, of our students and faculty to the world. That's a whole different way of approaching innovation that Berkeley is really pioneering. I love it. And how how do you fit in? What do, how do you see your role in creating this very new, somewhat disruptive model of success? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you've already proven it. You had one fund that did so well that you funded a second, and you've already seen returns. Um, so, so you're doing the damn thing. It's working. Right. Talk to us about how you, uh, Caroline Winnett, have been able to help lead this 
this change or this cause? So I think what I have personally done is really brought this, this purpose mindset. So I'm a Cal alum myself. I got an MBA from Berkeley. Go Bears. Absolutely. <laughs> um, my whole family is Berkeley, right? My parents went to Berkeley, my brother, my cousin, uh, my first two husbands, <laughs> um, two of my children, uh, my my next husband, my fiance, he didn't go to Berkeley, but his twins both graduated from Berkeley. So he's... So I feel like you have a type. Would you say that you have a type, Caroline? <laughs> oh, and, 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 you know, a little bit about my story. My first career was professional concert violinist. I, that was my undergraduate degree from a conservatory. So I, 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 I loved being a violinist, but I realized that it, I wanted it to be a hobby, not a profession. So I said, well, I'll apply to business school because I love business. I love, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. And I thought, oh, I, lo I love the idea of starting a company. Yeah. I applied to Berkeley. I had zero business experience. <laughs> zero. And this was back in the day when it was pretty much a, a hard and fast rule that you couldn't get into a business school program unless you had at least two or three years of business experience. But I applied anyway. And I got in. And I, after I got in, I went to the director of admissions and I said, I'm really glad you let me in, but why did you? Sure. And it turns out her daughter was a violinist. And she said, I knew if you could get through that brutal conservatory program that you graduated from, that you had the discipline to tackle the MBA program. So they, Berkeley took a chance on it. Was, it was transferable skills it that was. got you in, right? Because here's the what? thing. Yeah. I imagine, I'm just going to put words right into that admissions officer's mouth and just say like, hey, you can teach theory, you can teach practice. But what you can't teach is that, I mean, a concert, by, you have to have so much discipline. You have to practice. You have to, you well, and you have to eat. That's, that's right. Failure yeah. is not an option because all eyes are on you. And so often it's just you making notes. And it, so you have to be perfect in your execution, right? Yes. And so, and so I, I imagine that that's, that's what they saw. That is so interesting to me. Yes. Uh, yes. Very cool, by the way. <laughs> it, 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 those skills to transfer for sure. And, yeah. and that's, that's helped me in my search for entrepreneurs is looking for those skills as well. And they may not run out to conservatories and just started knocking on doors like, Hey, Hey, if you're at all interested in business, do I have something for you? Right, right. <laughs> so so I think I bring that sense of, you know, this is a bigger mission. Yeah. Because, you know, my my goal, in addition to I just love what I do, I love work, working with founders, is that I want to support Berkeley. And I think I, you know, I help communicate that that mission and purpose. The other thing that Skydeck does, as it turns out, we do we do something that the university already does. And what is that? UC Berkeley attracts talent from all over the world to come and study and, and research at our university. Yeah. Similarly, Skydeck, as I mentioned, is open to founders, not just from Berkeley or the other UC campuses, but our accelerator track is open to founders from anywhere in the world. So we attract the talent and, and that, that's where the lawyers had to get to work, you know, to make sure that, that we could do that while still fulfilling our, our public education mission, which, which we do. And, 
that that is a big innovation to to be a university program and support founders to bring their talent from outside the US and come to the US and launch their ideas. Yeah. Well, and I think that that speaks to an understanding of the global economy. Like I I know of so many uh I guess business institutions, like startups don't tend to think this way. Startups tend to think like, I'm going to find talent wherever I can find talent. If you can build it, I want to work with you kind of deal. But I feel like a lot of more state and institutional, like large scale corporations, they sometimes hesitate with like H1Bs and like it, it becomes a sticky entanglement that they don't want to deal with. But the fact is, like, if we are thinking in terms of a global economy, we we need to be supporting and we need to be bringing the best thinkers. Like, there's there's this almost xenophobic, like, keep them out. And it's like, if you're thinking long term and you're thinking how technology has made our world so much smaller, and if we need to compete on a global marketplace, you're going to court the best comers. Like, it doesn't matter where they come from as long as they are forward rational like thinkers you know like the logicians the in the the technologists and the 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 moonshot thinkers like as far as i'm concerned bring them all in right exactly. <laughs> I mean, do you feel the same i don't know i, I struggle with that sometimes how to how to how to say that <laughs> exactly that's what universities have done yeah for a very long time is is bring in the cutting edge thinkers to gather in a place with like-minded individuals yeah right? amazing things can happen <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, so so talk to me. I'm really curious as you have unfolded and shepherded um, this new funding model and this new program for Berkeley and a kind of new way of looking at startup investment. Um, have you had other universities reach out to you and just be like, "Hey, how do we do this? What 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 can we replicate?" <laughs> All the time. All the yeah, time. Talk to us about that. Yes, regularly we get questions from from large major research universities to smaller universities um, all the time. I probably personally talk to, you know, I don't know, 10 to 20 a year who, who are asking us that question. We're happy to share details. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're a public university. Knowledge is not hidden behind. You're not in the gatekeeping. Or, and I love that. <laughs> and, and this model for funding education it is very powerful. Not every university can do it the exact way we are doing it because sure. not every university is located in a gigantic center of, of, uh, of investment known as Silicon Valley. Right. But, but all universities, I believe, can do some version of it that works for them. And as we all know, education is in dire need of funding. And if, if we can bring together venture capital and education and combine them, I think we can really massively increase the funding that will go to education while benefiting the startup world at the same yeah. time. Well, increasing deal flow, which is what we like, that's what we as founders, that's what we want to see all the time. I mean, the fact is we need to cultivate multiple channels yeah. to find funding, whether it be angel venture, like whatever that funding looks like we have to be creating strong deal flow. And so you're just, you're adding a re to a really, really important piece of funding for startup founders. It's so impressive. Uh, talk to us about, I, I want to hear, what do you think the future 
looks like for Berkeley mm-hmm. Sky Deck. Um, you know, we've talked about kind of where you're at and what you're building, and it's phenomenal. But mm-hmm. what are you building too? Yeah, that's a great question. So we think big, we think global. Moonshot thinking. <laughs> yes. We have a dual mission, and both of these parts of these mission are, are critical. One is we want to be the world's top global accelerator. No qualifications, not top university accelerator, just top global accelerator. Nice. And equally important, we support the public education mission of UC Berkeley. So we are going to continue to make our program better and better and better so that founders want to come to our program. And we're now looking at international expansion. So we're thinking there are deal flow centers around the world. There are powerful markets around the world. Yeah. Maybe we should bring Skydeck to other continents. So we, we have our first experiment. We have Skydeck in Europe. And we're looking at maybe someday there'll be a Skydeck on every continent. Maybe not Antarctica. Probably not we have to find a way to to fund the polar outposts yeah so penguins (laughs) as as interns uh so we're trying that because you know you mentioned the the critical word earlier and that's ecosystem yeah so startups are like small little seedlings you have to bury them uh, plant them in very fertile ground yeah where they can root and take hold and there's several places around the world where that can happen so perhaps someday uh, we will have a Skydeck campus on each continent. We'll see. But we uh, will continue to, to make the Berkeley program absolutely the best in the world. Well, so I will absolutely cross my fingers for that because uh, that's what I want to see too. Like, I don't even know if you know this, but on, on my LinkedIn profile, like one of the things that I, I'm an ecosystem building evangelist because mm-hmm. we, we just had, for those of you who... I, I have literally said that and people are like, are you talking about like rainforests? And I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> not exactly. Uh, you know, what we're talking about is we're talking about a comprehensive view of community. The fact is entrepreneurs do not exist in a vacuum. And as Caroline said, you know, you have, you have your startups, which are the little seedlings that you need to nurture and foster and grow. But around those little seedlings, you have investors, you have clients and customers and brand advocates, you have uh, city, regional, like government and civic organizations that can put policies in place that make it easier to do business. Like you have all of these really important stakeholders that all have to work together in concert. And and historically, they have been very siloed. But we have to figure out a way as ecosystem builders to bring all of those components together and help them work together effectively, efficiently, and powerfully. And so, so when we talk about ecosystem building, that's what we're talking about. And so I love the fact like academic stakeholders are a big piece of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. That's where we get our learners and our talent and the folks who can do our tech and do our research and design. And like, you know, that's where we get those forward thinkers that suddenly become startup founders. And so, you know, you're doing you're doing incredible work. <laughs> and and I love what you're doing. Now, I, I have to ask you the human question because we've actually gone over time. I've been so interested in this conversation. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, what is the weirdest thing you have ever eaten? <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> probably, 
You mean not all the uh, bugs and mosquitoes and worms that I actually? I mean, not the stuff that you ate ex- accidentally. I'm thinking the stuff that you ate intentionally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went to China some years ago, and the food in China. Unbelievable. Oh my God. I still remember every meal. Um, but I did have a little trouble. I started eating something and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't tell by looking at it. It was, you know, it was chopped up into pieces and tasted kind of like chicken. I said, Oh, what, what am I eating? And they said it was snake. So (laughs) I think I'm, I had a little trouble going forward after that. Um, yeah. so I would, say, I would say snake in China was the most unusual thing. Yeah. So I used to, I used to work for Boeing and when I worked there, I, I worked out of their leadership center and every Wednesday they had in the employee cafeteria, they had game night. And so they would just serve like stuff. I, I feel very ethnocentric saying weird. And I think maybe I want to change my phrasing now. Cause like the fact is, you know, it's not necessarily weird. It's just not stuff that's commonly on American menus, you know, but that being said, uh, I got to try a lot of stuff there. The weirdest thing I actually ever ate. It, it's the weirdest thing I ever drank. Actually, it was my 21st birthday and I worked at a bar and above the bar, there was this, gi- this giant like decanter filled with what is I cannot describe as anything other than like pickled reptiles and you couldn't even necessarily see all of them, but it was apparently sake that was like several hundred years old and somebody had brought it to the guy who owns the bar. So my 21st birthday, we crack it open and they were like, are you really going to try it? And I was like, it's my 21st birthday. I'm really going to try it. And it was the most noxious, <laughs> horrific, terrible awful thing I have ever put in my face. It was so gross, but I do not regret it. <laughs> well, I will say one thing um, uh, that that tastes delicious that I discovered in China, chicken feet. Oh, they're delicious. That's a texture thing for me. I've definitely tried them. They're very chewy though. I love they're it. Very- I love chicken feet. You, like- you can get them in dim, like a di- when you go to dim some places and like interesting, like, okay, I like that. And I like that you're an adventurous eater. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to be with us on the show today, Caroline. It's been great, Lauren. Yeah. And friends, you know, definitely want to invite you to keep on coming back. But first things first, let's talk one more time about today's episode sponsor. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Check out the show notes for a link. And friends, I also want to invite you to let us know what you think. You can find us on social media. Just check Startup Hustle. We've got a Facebook page, LinkedIn page, all that stuff. But I just want to remind you that we do this for you. We we want to tell the stories of founders and we want to talk about the things that you want to hear about, the things that you need to learn. So reach out to us. Let us know. You can go to startuphustle.xyz or check the show notes to suggest a guest. And I invite you to do that. I also invite you to keep on coming back. We love that you listen to us week after week. We're very, very grateful for you. And we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
Like we do it.